0: Hello and welcome to the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We will, as always, start with a story.
1: I'm going to take you back to the summer of 1976. It was hot, but I was at art school. So that sort of heat mixed with the smell of turpentine and wood shavings and oil paint was heady, shall we say. So, I was in my first month of a foundation course, and everyone was very creative. It was the 70s, for goodness sakes. There were crazy stuff going on. And once a week, we had a session where the tutors got together and they looked at people's things that they'd created. And on this particular occasion, There was one piece that was drawing a lot of attention. Oh, it was just amazing. The tutors were drooling with admiration. No, it wasn't mine. It was a star pupil. And let me describe this thing that was creating such a buzz. It was kind of a piece of plywood, about eight by eight. And on it was stuck tampons. And each one had red paint on it at different levels. Something about representing the state of woman, blah, blah, blah. Right, so I'm stood there and at this point thinking, why am I here? (laughs) I don't belong. I hate this pretentious rubbish what is the point? I'm really good at figure drawing. And yes, I'm trying to design a Perspex hamburger at the moment, but I hate every minute of what I'm doing because I'm only doing it trying to be clever and please the tutors. So I guess what I was experiencing was a form of what I call conflicted conformity. I wanted to fit in I wanted to be down with the cool girls and guys and I wanted to run away thinking this isn't me, this isn't me, this isn't me. So anyway, I ran away. That was the tipping point. I ran away to find my way in the world, to stake my what i actually did was i went to the job center in my local town and got a job as a sales assistant at mothercare which was a new thing back in the day tiny little store summer of 76 no air conditioning and a nylon uniform it was memorable but i did feel i've done it i i've 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 done money thing it, it's not about anything fancy but i'm here and i'm earning money and i've made a and then sure enough, my lovely father, a very successful businessman, got me an interview. And I ended up somehow getting onto a management training course at Harrods. <sighs> Yet again, conflicted conformity. And 18 months later, I ran away from that. And this pattern continued, <laughs> dear listener. Um, For many years, many, many years, because nowhere in all of this had I really found and owned and released me. I was prey to people's, you should do this, you should do that. And sort of rebelling inside with this kind of power that wouldn't come out and this, oh, but I want to be liked and yeah. It had a happy ending, this story, but probably not until I was in my 50s. So there we go, Stefano. How about that?
0: How about that? An amazing story, and I will dig into it more in a second. But before we start, a little note to anybody who is listening for the first time, or anyone who might have forgotten. My name is Stefano. I run Puck Creations, and I am the regular host of this podcast. If the title, Storytelling with Puck, hasn't given it away, this podcast is all about stories, just like the wonderful story you just heard from Trisha, We will share stories, chat about stories, and we'll also see how stories fit in with the business world. Of course, we can do any of that without our incredible guests. So let's start by properly introducing Trisha Lewis. Now, Trisha, I don't want to tell you what to do and I don't want you to conform, but would you <laughs> mind unsquashing our listeners, please, <laughs> with a little knowledge about who you are?
1: Yes, okay, it's fair enough. Um I'm yes, I'm I really struggle with this question. (laughs) Okay, so you might think, well, come on, you must have got this sorted, Trish, you're going on about, you know, being you and all the rest of it. But the thing is, we're lots of things, aren't we? And when you try and put it in a box, like, I'm a communication coach, Stefano, um, something doesn't feel quite right. Um, I don't particularly like the word coach, and communication is such a huge topic. Where do you go with that? So, let's try it another way. I'm a wise old woman. (laughs) I'm (laughs) 64 this year, um, but, you know, evolving all the time. And having had a whole load of interesting life experience, I set up this sort of coaching business, if you like, about four and a half years ago. At which point, coming from the arts world, because my background is really as an actor and speaker and story facilitator, I was flummoxed and the impostory syndromey syndrome-y, thingy feelings came chucking themselves straight in my face. So I took it by the horns, as we say, and I thought, OK, let's tackle this one, because I now realise this has probably been affecting me all my life without knowing it. I did workshops. I did talks. I wrote about it. I talked about it. And sure enough, everybody came out of the woodwork saying, oh, gosh, me too, me too. (laughs) So hence, my business sort of evolved around not only the more obvious forms of communication, like public speaking stuff and, you know, um, all all the things that make conversations flow. It, It became starting at the roots of unsquashing people. So I took on my own perspective on the sort of imposter syndrome message, if you like, and made it quite a positive one, because I I made it absolutely clear that we're all blinking, going through all this craziness and that's fine Um, but what isn't fine is that you um, deny the world (laughs) of all your lovely quirky individual stuff that could be of huge value and you know that you use your voice basically and that's not a snappy answer uh, that one does technically
0: at a networking event (laughs) I don't know. I think you probably just about fitted into the 60 second elevator. <laughs> um, <it laughs> but I wasn't looking for a snappy answer. Um, I, I wasn't looking for anything in particular. What I love about what you do, actually, and it's something which I really enjoy when we have guests on the show, is that you do allow people to answer questions in the way that they want to answer them and you allow people to be themselves. And there's a lot of interesting questions about what being yourself means and whether or not you are authentic and all of this kind of stuff online and whether or not authentic means being vulnerable and therefore being the same as everybody else or actually authentic just means doing what you think is more natural to you and I um we, we've known each other for, for quite a long time now and I take a lot of interest in the way that you talk about the different sides of our personalities and just because one side of a personality isn't exactly the same as another part of your personality it doesn't mean that you're faking it it just means that you're showing a different side of yourself so i really like the way you answered that question because you're showing that actually it's really hard to explain who you are in just a few words and to put yourself into some kind of box because actually there's so much too who you are, and there's so many different sides of who you are. So what I'd like to dig into a little bit more is when you talk about being squashed and unsquashing yourself, I wouldn't say that's the most common terminology that I've heard Um, (laughs) in in, in coaching or um, anywhere that I've seen anything to do with imposter syndrome. So what do you mean?
1: Yes. And there is, I realise, potentially in hindsight, a good reason for the non-conforming language, and that is to keep people's brains free and open and shaken up a bit. So, um, shooken up a bit. (laughs) So, (laughs) once you have a well-known phrase like imposter syndrome, there is a danger that it just becomes a rather lazy uh, label. And you know, to be fair, the research originally was done back in the, se- the 70s. We're going back there again. And mm-hmm. um it was not even called syndrome, you know, it was called it was called phenomenon, phenomena, that word I can't even say. So the researchers said many years later they wish they called it experience. So you can see already there was there was a confusion a bit about how how do you put a label on something which is a feeling, you know. So <laughs> I used to call it feeling fake um, which kind of worked as well but I think probably one day I simply said something like Oh, it's like you feel all squashed and it just sort of became such a visceral word <laughs> and whenever I used it with people they got it instantly yes yes that's how it feels and that's why I for, there is a very good reason for it being unconventional language so there is another point of this, which is that we we hear about fear of success, which is a thing. And this does actually um, relate quite well to it because imposter syndrome, when you talk about it, it, you might end up feeling that you're a bit of a useless mess. Um, whereas a, a key element of what I talk about is that self-squashing is you not... Releasing and owning your true voice and your power and passion and personality out of a fear, you're, you're suppressing it all as of a fear that releasing it will have you judged as an unlikable show-off or, or, if you like, in the business world, a sort of unprofessional outsider. So it really speaks to the fact that you are scared of letting out this... Eunus, whatever it is um and that could be that could be a beautifully quiet you as much as a you um and it could be a quirky you it could be a very serious you it it, it's not about oh I've got to be big larger than life I mean I am a bit like that but that's just that's just me folks it's about the thing that The thing that is you, that you know is you, really, you know it because you know those feelings when you feel aligned, which is a good word, congruent. There's a sort of sense that there's no weight on your shoulders, no knot in your stomach. You're in this present thing and you think you might not think, but actually that's the you that you need to release more of. And then you go out into the world and you're told you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. You have to be like this. You have to be like that. You have to be like, Oh, they're like this. They're like that. So their website looks like this and comparisonitis and people pleasing and everything else comes squash, 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 And you think, I daren't, I daren't let this out. So there we go. That's, that's squashed.
0: It's such a powerful, powerful thing because i I believe there probably are very few people in the world who haven't felt like that at least at some point in time. There will be people who maybe feel it less, who have learned to deal with it better, but there will be lots of people who in fact seem to be the most successful people, but inside feel like they and there's no better word for it are squashed that everything is working out because they followed somebody else's path rather than because they have done what they feel is important so it comes to a question of is being unsquashed necessarily a good thing Okay
1: so I think there are elements where we as a, as a as an actor and also this is something that I covered in my degree I'm just showing off a bit now so I I was a mature student you see this is a good example of constantly evolving which is the only way to do it folks you just have to keep getting back up and, and learning and pushing through a bit more and experimenting and so I went to Bournemouth Uni at the age of 48 and studied a degree in communication and one of the things that we looked at was a guy called Goffman, who I was a bit of a fan of. And he has a, a theory called dramaturgical. So you can hear the drama word in there. And he talks about your front stage, your backstage, your in the wings, you know, pers- you ness. Um, and that is so true. And the same when you're acting. There's a part of you which is absolutely present there, totally in the character, in the part. There's a part of you which is keeping control of things because you've got to pick up cues. You've got to know when to exit and enter. You've got to be prepared if something weird goes on on the set or in the audience. So you've got this kind of little level going on here. So it's a bit like you've got a mixer board and you are you are moving those sliders up and down slightly. You are tweaking. So so to say, oh, just unsquash, be yourself all over the place is a bit silly because we obviously do. But but here's the the thing. Okay, so say you're at some kind of a businessy event and so you may be wearing slightly smarter clothes than you might in other situations. You may be... Judging your body language and some of what comes out of your mouth in a slightly more controlled way, you're picking up, you're doing the rapport skills, you're picking up what other people's vibes are, and you're going with that, you're mirroring it a little bit and all of this, okay? All great, as long as in your head, you are consciously doing that. The problem arises when you are doing it out of a sense of, ah, I need to be like this. Mm-hmm. So you get up in the morning, you go and you think, mm, I'm, this is my this is my business meeting uh, jacket or whatever. Uh, yeah, not my first choice, but I oh, know it looks, I think it looks great for what I'm doing. Great. If you have a whole wardrobe full of those, because you've decided that is the only way you can look to be taken seriously, not great. Does that make sense?
0: I think it does. The way... <laughs> The way that I, um, you know me, sure so I don't say yes, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but the way, the way that I look at it and, and from everything that you've explained today and, and through previous conversations and views of videos and things that you've put out there in the past, um, something that always strikes me is that it's not necessarily about feeling that you are always whatever version of you it is that you think is the version of you that's the unsquashed. And as you say, kind of being blah and everywhere to me, the idea behind it. And the reason I think of it like this is because we work with so many um, kind of smaller businesses on their brands and who they are as a company and defining Mm -hmm. their brands is that it's about not feeling icky and wrong about it inside when you're portraying something outside. So it's not, you have to be this kind of person because that's what you've decided you are now that you're unsquashed, (laughs) now that you're letting yourself be you and you have to be the same thing all the time now because actually that's squashing you in a different way. The idea is to me that you're feeling you're feeling okay about it all while you're in the situation. You're feeling comfortable with it all. You know what you're doing. You're okay with it, and you're happy about it. That is kind of how I look at it. But uh, this is coming from a very amateur perspective. So I just no, not at all.
1: Unit. No, no, no. It's coming from a human, and, and that's ultimately what we all are. And and that's exactly exactly really what I was saying. And this is what Goffman was going on right You know, your backstage, your front stage. This is all great, but you're doing it consciously and you know so for instance if you go back to that story that I told at the beginning it's quite a good it's quite a good way of illustrating it so so I'm I mean number one I've gone to art school for the wrong reasons but you know when you're 18 what the heck you know um I you know I wanted to go to drama school um parents didn't approve art school was somehow one step better than I don't know but I can't blame my parents if I if I'd had more of me going on um Yes, okay. the The upbringing didn't help all that, but you know, there we go. So I'm there, and I could have dealt with that situation very differently. So I could have looked at. I could. This is where comparisonitis. You can, listeners, can relate this to when they're maybe looking at somebody's website or whatever thing. Oh, god, it's so much better than mine. Um, so I could have looked at that and thought, Hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, not not kind of my thing but I, I it's quite fun that she's done that and it's it's interesting that all the tutors seem to be drooling over I think that's because you know they're, they're trying to be a bit trendy and down with the kids bless them you know this this is a whole different way of thinking than what was going on in my head and then I could have thought something like actually I'm going to stop trying to make this perspex hamburger um I I, I've I've had a really good idea it's completely different from this or that but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it because it's it's something I actually I've got a really fabulous enthusiasm about all of a sudden yeah this I'm gonna yeah I mean okay if the tutors don't like it they don't like it but I'm gonna give it a go that is a whole different way of thinking um or even if I thought, you know what, not sure that this art school malarkey is for me. Um, I'm going I'm to give this some thought. Um, maybe give it another month or so. You know, just you know, ha- have a bit more exploring time, and then see what other options are out there. But oh no, coming from where I was coming from, my squashed way of of feeling meant that I had to rebel. It's like a sort of, ugh, don't like this, don't like them. This is all pretentious, I hate it, this isn't me. I'm running off, I'm running off. But to where? Because who am I running, you know, I'm running away from me apart from anything else. So that's the difference.
0: So let's maybe chronologically go through that story a little bit more. And so when you were in art school, And as you say, you saw this design, which to some people was amazing. To you, I I, I can tell from the way you talk that you still don't think it was amazing. (laughs) That hasn't (laughs) evolved. (laughs) Pretentious. It
1: was pretentious.
0: (laughs) But the way that you reacted was, as you say, it was in a squashed uh, mentality. um, If we, if we would like to go down that road and then, and then you've explained that really well. So I'm not going to ask too many more questions about that specifically. So let's go on to the next bit where you went to Mother King and What made you choose Mavicare? Why why Mavicare above everyone else?
1: I mean, this is a trip down memory lane, but they used to, you know, in the job centres as they were. This is Guildford, by the way, who any, anybody who likes a little bit of extra detail in their <laughs> stories. Um, so top of Guildford High Street, a uh, wonderful place with its cobbled high street. Um, very Surrey, though. Uh, you know, you can probably tell by the way I speak. <laughs> Surrey girl. Um, so I, you know, and I'd been to a very posh school, all of that feeds into this Stefano but that's a whole not I, I've got I mean to be fair I struggled because I could have given you a story about how I was one of only six girls in the sixth form of an entire boys public school called Cranley which is huge it's one of those like Eton type schools it was the first year they took girls so that alone um was an experience with <laughs> Which I could
0: probably write a book about. Well, we're always open to more than one story, um, so <laughs> maybe you don't have to. Uh, I, mean, I, I know it's not fully prepared, so you don't have to go into all of the juicy details necessarily. But do tell. Well, I us think you know
1: there's, about there was that. a lot. There was a lot of squashing going. There was a lot of weird um, battles in in me going on for for years. I mean, I I, I have a theory that I was always quite a um a fun jumpy sort of enthusiastic um um theatrical kind of a person when I and and at three I remember three four I remember telling somebody I wanted to be an actress um and I dressing up was my favorite game you know and make believe and and then interestingly when I then it got then I got squashed because then I became uber self-conscious and to be fair very fifties kind of parents in terms of very traditional. I was the girl. I was going to go down this road. The boy, my brother was going to go down, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and they weren't very happy and, uh, you know, frustrated director's wife and fancy businessman, all that stuff, big house, big garden, no, no lovely playing out in the streets. No, (laughs) no discovering myself. So squash, squash, squash. And, you know, then, by the time that kind of fantasy, make believe stuff had, had sort of morphed into a having conversations with myself about how I wanted fantasy existence to be, I used to go walking around the block saying, you know, imagining that, I, and it was all involved with meeting guys and then falling madly in love with me, and that was. You know it was a real need to be loved that was going on here. And if you want to look up John Balby on the attachment theory at this stage, go for it. Um, I certainly had what we call a, um, uh, you know, a sort of slightly anxious attachment, um, style. So all of this is going on, and I then get landed from an all girls school into an all boys school. <laughs> Uh, on the premise that I liked drama and art and they had a really good drama and art department um and you know what, what what do you do I'm 16 and suddenly I'd sort of grown into this kind of you know um person who was very interested in guys funnily enough and um All I wanted really was to feel that I had some power over them because you know as one of six girls in a boys school that's quite a big power buzz if you can get the attention of the best looking guys. So there am I going after all the guys who were real bastards um, because that was much more fun clearly Um, and this this pattern continued. So i was i was using some kind of strange um uh, I was trying to take control in ways that were quite unhealthy really because I didn't have. I didn't have a sense of me-ness. I just didn't. It just wasn't there. And the only time I thought it was there was when I was able to kind of attract attention in some way, um, because it kind of proved that I existed and that I could be wanted or whatever. It was messed up, Stefano, totally messed up. So don't get me wrong. I had some really good laughs and I have some fabulous memories of those years. And I don't I don't actually regret it because I think it was a lot better than staying at the all girls school. But it, but it was interesting. And coming out of that into um, I was a big, bigger fish in a, I, you know, I, I was one of I was the only girl doing art for a start and I was good at it. And then all of a sudden I'm in an art school full of people who are good at it. So now I'm really struggling to keep a hold of myself and where I stand in all of this. And, it, and I've not worked on myself really at any point I've just been doing it from the external gaze, if you like. And so, so now, I'm, now I'm lost. And yet I've still got this, this kind of, uh, you know, excitable, exploring, um, theatrical kind of person inside me, curious and all the rest of it. But it's so flippin' squashed that the only way it feels it's, it exists is through rebellion and i think the the topic of rebelling i find really fascinating it's like the pressure cooker kind of thing you know you and then and then instead of just lovely little moments of stating an opinion and having fun with something and being a bit nuts you know whatever instead of all that it's a slamming the door and you know it's that's it i've had enough um i'm leaving i'm you know um and I did actually literally slam a door in a job I had once um, and it was a glass door and it shattered all over the pavement and the office oh, wow. and nearly, um, nearly cut somebody into pieces. So I would advise against being so <laughs> squashed that when that rebellious thing comes out, the only way it can do it is in this really ridiculous way that causes you to feel even more sp- squashed ultimately because you feel stupid you've made a dramatic exit and it's (laughs) in hindsight quite funny but but not at the time
0: yeah no it's it it, it is quite funny (laughs) to hear you smashing a door in an office but um but at the same time as you say there's a lot that lies underneath it which um is really important I think to to discover and it's amazing because linking all of the different parts of your story together. There's so much to unfold. Mm. I mean, we could we could do this for hours, but so when you were at sixth form, and as you say, you were you were one of six girls. So you yeah. were like you were it. Yeah, like everyone wanted to be with <laughs> you because. You're one of you're one of only six girls here, and I'm not saying that by the way. I'm I'm sure there were many many qualities to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not just saying that you're just oh, there's only a few of them. We've got to go for someone. It's not. (laughs) I'm sure there were many many. And I
1: wasn't the nerdy one. And I'm yeah. So so you could you could whittle the six down a bit as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, what I find interesting is that while you were there, even though. There were bits that you liked and bits that you hated and there were different problems going on in your head. Something which comes across is that that need to be loved by others was fulfilled because you had that love, you had that attention. And then suddenly when you get to a place where everybody needs to be loved by others and not everybody, I am generalising, but it's the kind of environment where lots of people have that very similar this is why we do what we do. We want that attention. I was speaking to Nick Um <laughs> got the name right, I think, um, about this uh, the other day too. And when he went into the acting world, and again, he met lots of people who were all just desperate to be loved and desperate for attention. And it kind of just felt wrong to him. It didn't feel right. But to you, you were one of the people who wanted that attention. And I imagine in some ways that because the kind of stuff that you thought was the kind of stuff that you were never going to do, but was also the stuff that was getting attention, made you think that hang on a minute, there's almost a sense of failure there. Like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing because the external world isn't telling me that I'm good enough. And so the reason I want to come all the way back to going to the job center and then go into the Yes,
1: yes. There, so I didn't answer that question, did I? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you kind of did in a different way, I think. And I don't know what was going on in your head at the time. But I find it interesting that maybe was there a feeling of going to do a a job in mother care that potentially you weren't necessarily having to get the attention of lots of other people that you could kind of do work and not have to worry about performing or or, or, or or what other reasons were behind that? yeah
1: that's interesting um possibly i did certainly i remember the 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 overriding feeling and we're going back a long way um was doing something myself
0: Uh uh-huh we'll get back to hearing about that overriding feeling in a moment for now a quick break to remind you that you're currently listening to episode 18 of the storytelling with puck podcast with the magical trisha lewis We've learned all about her time in art school, found out some details about her sixth form explorations, and we're just starting to talk about her reasons for moving into a career at mothercare. As we continue, we'll talk about rebellion, conformity, something in between, and more. Plus, wait for it we'll get to hear an excerpt from Trisha's exceptional book, The Mystery of the Squashed Self. No need to do any detective work just yet, though. Listen, and we will, of course, have a Puck creation story to finish the show. For now, Trisha, tell us more about that overriding feeling.
1: under my control I didn't tell anyone I I I did and weirdly in those days it was quite it was quite a scary thing to do to sort of not even at that age not tell your parents that you would you know I was still living at home it it was it was weirdly scary you know but I didn't want to tell them because I wanted to do it myself I I find that that
0: interesting as well um, though because that fear that you have of telling your parents when we talk about the attention that you are seeking off other people, mm. that that's not that's not just uh, teenage boys um, in a sixth form college. Uh, I imagine that probably is. It has it has a wider effect, including I, I imagine the approval of your parents.
1: Yeah, I, 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 yeah, to be fair, didn't didn't have a lot of that, you know, materialistically bought up fine, bit cold, not much approval of me as a human being, sort of being my thing. So I was really just meant, the whole point of me being at that school really was that I was meant to get you know, fall in love with one of the rich guys who becomes a stockbroker and then just become another version of my mother um, and just create children and live in a big house with a big garden. Um, And I instead, um, I need to, I might as well confess this as well, seeing as I've now confessed my entire life all over a public (laughs) space. (laughs) um, I might as well confess that I very deliberately... um, Chose to go out. I, I had a part time job as a barmaid during the holidays. Uh, got chatted up by a guy called Craig. If you're out there, Craig, <laughs> well, um, what was that about? And um, went out with him. And he was, you know, from the local council estate. So Completely, and I think I was rebelling. I wasn't gonna do what my parents wanted me to do and um, and I didn't and I continued not doing what they wanted me to do um, and three marriages later, um who the heck cares <laughs> I'm very happy, thank you. but you know um it, it's it was this this very sort of rebellious and I think the rebel thing, was taking the place of the me, personality, power, passion thing. That's as simple as that. I think I'd I'd sort of put the unhealthy rebel in situ, in that place that should have just been the, the, the me being me, you know, and, and speaking out and going against opinions, not in a nasty way, but, you know, in a fun way, or doing the performance stuff or whatever it was, Fine, you know, but no, because I wasn't doing that, wasn't owning that for this fear that somehow that wouldn't have me loved. I was every now and then just just replacing it with this ridiculous rebel thing, which very rarely got me into a good place, I might add, but never mind, I clawed my way out of it <laughs> over and over again, so I'm fine, but. I, I would recommend that we that that you don't necessarily need to go through 50 years of all that clawing around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting because when we talk about rebels, sometimes you know, I, I I I would potentially perceive myself as a bit of a rebel in some ways in the way that I do things, in that I, I try to well, this is interesting actually, because the language here I think is really important. I don't try to do things differently. I do things my way. And that's something that we talk to our clients about all the time as well is instead of there's often seems to be two sides of a coin to advice around how you should run your business. And there's the side which says you need to run your business the way that everybody else is running their business. Cause that's the only way you're going to be successful. You're. And then there's the other side, which says you need to be completely different from anyone else because mm-hmm. that's the only way that you're going to stand up. In my opinion, both of those sides have a huge array of problems because actually you're still trying to either be like someone or be the opposite to someone, almost in the rebellious way. But there's another side which I think is also kind of rebellious, which is, hey, how about you think about what's important to you? (laughs) Um, and then work out what matters in your business in the way that you want to do things and also how that then builds an audience for you and how you can continue to connect to that audience later on down the line. And so something I find interesting is when you talk about rebellion, it really highlights the difference between actually what rebellion is and what, I'm not sure the word for it, maybe unsquashing is the only word that comes to mind, but where you are actually just... You're not doing something to purposely rebel against anyone else. You're not a magnet. But what you are doing is you're just being you. And if that goes against some people, great. If it goes with some people, great. It's not conforming or rebelling. It's just being you.
1: Absolutely. And, you you know, the word shock jock comes to mind. And you, (laughs) you, you will see sometimes posts on LinkedIn, for instance, that to me fit into that bucket and I just think you yeah, am just doing it to be shock jockey um or comedians you know that what why do I warm to certain comedians and not others and it's because of this sense that they are just funny people they're just funny people it's brilliant <laughs> they're just making me laugh but the minute you sense this mm, that's trying to be clever that's trying to be controversial that's trying to be rude that's trying you know complete turn off I'm not there so this this good rebel bad rebel thing it's it, it, it i find it really fascinating um, because you you're so right to point out either way when you know if somebody advises you to be ah oh, stand out be different or do it this way that works we've lost this is the point is when it's when you keep losing the you bit of this. <laughs> and, <laughs> you keep, and the point is, Stefano, it's we are to have to do this, to not lose the you bit is hard work. It gets easier. The more you do it, it's like a muscle. It grows. You feel more relaxed with it. It, it comes more instinctively. Great. Now, you wouldn't think you'd have to work hard at being you, would you? I mean, for goodness sakes. But we are literally bombarded with noise all the time that is telling us otherwise. Either be like this or be completely crazy like this. You know, oh, you've got to dye your hair purple now, Tricia, because you're a certain age. And that's the only way people will think you're a little bit. Yay. Well, <laughs> I, I've got some fabulous friends who've got purple hair and they are delightful. But it is them that is that is absolute pure them. It isn't me, okay? Just it kind for, of isn't for, me for
0: you. It's for you. It's a mixture of green, blue, and yellow, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have been tempted to go back to henna, which is what I used in the seventies.
0: <laughs> oh, Stephanie, hey, those disco days! It. Those if disco days! It. If you yeah. want to do it, then do it. But, <laughs> but no, I love this. I love this exploration of it as well because I, I agree. It, it's interesting because there's so many factors to take into consideration with the whole idea of rebellion and. The whole idea of being you, um, and whether or not you can be who you truly are, because what does that mean? This, (laughs) I I was listening to. um, I shouldn't promote other podcasts, I guess, but I'm happy to. Um, I was listening to James O'Brien's podcast. um, Oh, I love James
1: O'Brien. He's
0: brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And he was talking to. Great. It is. It is. um, Full disclosure, isn't it? And he was talking to Robert Webb, and Robert Webb said something. I thought, really powerful, which was that he said, sometimes I say something in an interview, and by the time I get to the second half of the interview, I've changed my mind. And there's this whole idea that when we, we do absorb everything that's around us, and it's okay. It's okay to listen to everything that's around us. It's okay to, to take on board different ideas. The problem is when, in my opinion, when we then think that everybody else's ideas are great and nothing that comes from us is great. So it's okay to have all of these little elements and it's okay to take a little piece of this here and a little piece of that there. But for me, it's the idea that, well, I'm not worthy of being me. So I'm going to be someone else and be a better version of someone else than they are. Cause you're never going to do that. It's, it's, it's never going to work.
1: No. And it's, it's this exactly, that brings us around to the sort of curiosity and it actually beautifully segues into, um, the book, um the because book. yeah, the book, <laughs> because the character that I invented and first appeared on LinkedIn, um, Investigator Lewis, it's not accidental that this is a investigator, a detective, private eye, whatever you want to say, because that speaks to something that I put right at the top of my values, if you like, which is curiosity. And you know, you, yes. So you need to approach. So take, for instance, comparisonitis. You know mm-hmm. that thing where you you are squashing yourself from, from a squash place. You squash your place even further because you're. Oh God! Look, see, that's a proper website, and oh, they've got these things here, and that's and that. Oh, they've they've probably got loads of clients. Um, I don't know why I'm bothering. Right. So take two. This is an interesting website. Um. I don't like this bit particularly, but actually, I do like the way they've placed this here, and that makes for very easy reading. The way, oh yeah, I might take a tip from that. Um, Great. Now you're just being curious, okay? And you will take some of this in the same way that you will read an article. You will take an element of it, you will curate that, you will make it into your own article or whatever, and you will quote people and all. Like you just quoted James O'Brien's podcast. Fabulous. That's curiosity. That's healthy. What isn't healthy is if you look at somebody else, they'll say, Oh, that's a really good article. Maybe I'll try and copy and paste it and just change a few words because <laughs> you know, and, and you wouldn't be doing that from a from a bad place, you'd be doing it from a place where you don't trust your own. Voice, because somehow it's not a a voice coming from a famous person. It's not a voice coming from one of these top 10 Simon Sinek type persons. It's, you know, I mean, I'm not being funny, but start with why. You know, I I thought I was going to do a skit on start with you, you know, and make some nice graphic... (laughs) It's a nice graphic up on a board somewhere and just point to it um, and do a video and then see how that, uh, how that went. But I would be now I would be taking some fun in that. okay, and I wouldn't be having a go at Simon Sinek because he says some great stuff and I wouldn't be thinking that I had to be like them. I would now do it using the me part of me, which is having fun and laughter, which is actually just a very big part of who I am, not because I feel I have to be or because it's a way of getting attention or needy or showy-offy or any of those things. It's just me. It's what I was like when I was three. <laughs> it's what got squashed. It's what came out every now and then and then got squashed back down again. And now it's, it's here to stay. And it's a lifesaver. And when you have that feeling, yes, you you're going to tweak and you're going to, you know, do things this way that way, whatever you're going to experiment. But there is a point where you just clock it, listeners, those moments that you you're not quite sure what it is, but something somewhere feels lighter and you're kind of got an inner smile going on and you just do not have a sense that you're self-conscious or doing something to please somebody or rebelling in an unhealthy way. It's a, yeah, it's a really lovely
0: feeling. I like that you describe the feeling more than... set of words and thoughts um because actually something that we talk about with our clients quite a lot is explaining the benefits of what you do rather than the features of what you do um and you could have easily come in here today and said well i help you become unsquashed or even further back uh, i help you get rid of imposter syndrome and i'll be honest most people will probably switch off when you say i help you feel Free. I help you feel like you are being you, like you don't have to conform to other people's way of living, and I help you feel a word that I can't describe, but it's a great feeling. Suddenly, you're describing the benefits of what you do, and I think it explains it really well. And something else that I think you do really well. And you mentioned your book earlier, but you didn't actually say the title, um, which is <laughs> the lovely, uh, the lovely, wonderful book called "The Mystery of the Squashed Self." And something that I love in your book and which is very different to so many of businessy books out there, is that you tell stories the whole way through your book, and funnily enough, I like stories. So <laughs> you might not believe it. Um, I, I don't think I've told anyone, but uh... <laughs>
1: You need to make more of that stuff. Now I feel. Like no, I'm I do. I, I,
0: yeah. I, I sometimes I think it's all facts, facts, facts. But um, <laughs> but what I love is those stories. Suddenly, they're informing me just as much as any other business book possibly could. But they're doing it in a way that makes me want to keep on reading, like I was reading a novel, and keeps me entertained. I'm being really cheeky here because I haven't asked you this before the show would you be kind enough to potentially read a little excerpt from one of your uh, one of your stories
1: oh somebody like me read an excerpt from one of my oh just spontaneously just like that oh no surely not so <laughs> let's see um so it's eight frustrated small business owners i have been actually told by many of the reviewers that this could apply to many people who are not small business owners as well. So that's kind of nice. And also I've sort of made them all female, but I've had guys and you are one of them read the book. And so I'm really glad about that because I, you know, I was pretty reluctant about doing that, but there we go. Um, It's the reason I've done it like this is, is what I like to do in coaching, which is that kind of role play bit, if you like, rehearsal, experimenting out live It's making it come alive. So it's making frustration, putting it into an actual situation and story and making it live as a story Mm -hmm. and a character, to me, is what really gets the light bulbs going. This client is describing a networking event. (laughs) Um, She's just so flipping frustrated with the, the way things are going. So she keeps going off track a bit, but the investigator brings her back on track. Back to the networking event. How did things unfold? (sighs) Breakfast was served, then time for the round the table introductions. I was last. I listened to the others and tried to pick up some more ideas. I wasn't that engaged by any of them, but they did sound professional and slick. Then I did mine. I messed up. Nothing came out coherently. I mumbled and then saw the table host looking at the time. I just tailed off. I didn't even suggest a meeting or next step, or I was useless. After a few awkward business card exchanges, I escaped. I could have stayed longer, but made some excuse about having a client call to get back for. As I drove away from the venue with the taste of bad coffee still permeating my mouth, I felt useless. Actually, I felt cross. I told myself I didn't want to be slick or professional. It wasn't who I was. What was the matter with everyone? All hiding behind masks and pretending their business was doing really well and would go global any minute now. I decided that I would give up on networking events, full stop. This full stop was said with feeling. It also seemed to mark the end of her story. She had gone into thoughtful mode again. I needed more. Could you describe your post-networking feelings in more detail? I was looking for clues. I was on the right track, but needed just a little more to crack the case. I can try, but I'm not brilliant at describing feelings. I did write a few notes, though. I made a list of adjectives to describe how I felt. See if this helps. Invisible, unprofessional, stupid, dull, no personality, not me, angry, like a man in drag. (laughs) I knew Professor P would have a field day with this later. Interesting. Could I keep the list? She handed it over willingly. Can you explain the thing about feeling like a... I double-checked her notes. Like a man in drag? Client L looked. as She took on a new energy as she explained the feeling, which, of course, I'm not going to reveal, Stafford.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. You couldn't do that because then who would buy the book? Exactly. (laughs) I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's so... It's so powerful in a way, and I've mentioned this earlier already, but it, the way that it entertains and I'm gripped by the story and I'm almost not thinking about the lessons that you're putting across just because I'm listening to the story. But then at the end, I go, oh, yeah. Oh, I see what she was getting at there. <laughs> and so I think that's why stories are so powerful, is that often when we're reading them, often when we're listening to them, often when whatever we're doing to absorb a story we're all we're doing is being entertained in that moment the other stuff the potential lessons uh, the fables that used to be maybe a bit more obvious in their lessons even those were there to entertain first and there was a reason they've been around for so long because they help us to understand things that are really often quite complicated and that's why I love your book, I think it's fantastic, mm-hmm. and we will of course put a link to it on the uh, show notes, so that everybody can everybody can buy it. And you should, you should all go and buy it. And I know we say no shoulds, but this is the one should. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> <a> good point. <laughs> This is the only should. If you yes. ever have a should in your life, <laughs> this is your should. <laughs> um, but there are other things that you could also possibly do to connect with the wonderful Trisha Lewis. But I don't know all of them. So, maybe, Tricia, you could tell our listeners how they can.
1: Well, think. let's reveal. So, very mysteriously, trishalewis.com will work well for a start. Um, and I do spell trisha with this S H A thing. There's a story behind that as well, but we won't go into that now. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm Patricia, really. I'm Patricia. Um, yes, yeah, so trishalewis.com. And you've got all the links to all my social media. I'm particularly major in on LinkedIn. So love to connect on there. I, I am a bit, a bit cool and down with the kids on Instagram as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and i'm sort of attempting and have been for years twitter it's a it's an ever growing journey isn't it social media but yeah go go link go linkedin me um i'm on facebook as well of course and i have a podcast don't i and stephano was a guest on one of my podcast episodes uh called make it real so go check that out but it's all linked from trishalewis.com
0: Amazing. And yes, definitely do go check out not just my episode. You've probably had enough of my voice by now, um, <laughs> but go and listen to all of uh, Trisha's uh, episodes of Make It Real. It's a fantastic podcast and goes into a lot of depth about some of the subjects we've just about touched on today. So it's definitely, definitely worth a listen. But, Trisha, for now, until the next time, we will, of course, finish with a puck creation story. But before we do, thank you so much for being a guest on the Storytelling Pub Podcast. An absolute joy. This is my box. My beautiful box. It lured me in. My beautiful box. This is my box. Mine and no one else's. My unique box. Not something off the shelf. My remarkable box. This is my box. A space to call my own. My loving box. A king upon my throne. My royal box. This is my box. I turn to see the world around me. My little box. I smile and they surround me. My encompassing box. This is my box. A sneaky peek. They all look the same. My original box? Did they copy? Was it ever my way? My copycat box this is my box the lid it closes I'm left alone my pitching hole box I thought my box would make me grow my shrinking box this is my box this is my box my own four walls This is my box. They can't hear my call. This is my box. I made it myself. This is my box. Please, someone help. This is my box. You've just been listening to the Storytelling with Buck podcast. We'll be back very soon, so make sure you subscribe and catch up on any of the episodes you've missed.